Welcome to Storytime with Uncle Reddit, a podcast where I read some of the best posts from across Reddit and around the web. Each episode is a collection of funny content that includes subjects like tales from tech support, entitled parents, choosing beggars, pro-revenge, and more. Today's episode is all about tales from tech support. Our first story is poor service complaint. I work for a small managed service provider, and I returned to work this morning after a week off to deal with a family bereavement. I signed into my company's morning teams meeting, knowing there was going to be a lot to deal with. The main thing my manager, who has been amazing throughout everything I've been going through, wanted to discuss was an email from Company X's director, who had received an internal complaint from Karen. Karen is not happy with our level of service and slow response time to her business critical support tickets as of late. I hopped on the system and informed my manager that she has one job pending from last Wednesday regarding recovery of a lost file. Simple enough to recover from OneDrive, so I immediately jump on the phone to do some damage control. Me. Hi Karen, sorry about the delay in getting back to you. Can we take a look at that file now? Karen. Of course, I was expecting a call last week, but I was just wondering if we were backing up the bespoke software temp upload folder? I uploaded the document, but it was showing as blank, and I don't have another copy. Code for I effed up royally and forgot to do some work. Me. No. No, temp folder wouldn't be backed up. The only locations that are backed up are X, Y, and Z. Sorry, but there will be no way to recover that for you. Karen. Well, that's a pain. I'll have to spend an hour remaking it. My brain boils a little as I quickly put it together. She waited five days and complained when she could have just redone it in an hour. Karen, now trying to make friendly conversation. So, were you on annual leave last week? You're usually so good at getting back to me. Me. No, I had a week off to deal with a family bereavement, leaving my colleague by himself. Was there anything else? As I'm sure you can imagine, I have a lot to catch up with. Karen. Um, uh, no, that's, uh, fine. Have a good click. Well, OP, as much as I hate to say it, you got some sympathy points there, uh, which probably helped smooth things over, or at least slowed her down long enough so that she could realize she messed up. Either way, she probably won't bug you like that again. And for our next story, User Help Thyself. Way back when, I worked in IT for a FTSE 250 food manufacturer. One of my tasks was the creation, maintenance, support, and processing of Excel data capture forms. I really did my best to make them user-friendly and helpful, but you can't help some people. One day, I was called by a senior accounts person who didn't know what was required in a field on the supplier maintenance request form. This form was a bit of a monster because it captured data that was required to be manually processed into two to four different ERP systems, according to which part of the business needed the supplier. Therefore, it had a lot of different lookup lists. Some of them restricted what the users could enter. Others were used by internal processes to determine which bits were needed. Because of this, I'd created a detailed help page for each field or group of fields, and written an interactive subroutine that would display this information. I wanted people to be aware of this functionality, so I froze the data entry worksheet in a position that would keep the help notification front and center of the user's screen. This notification was in bold red text against a yellow background with a double green border. If I had known how to make it flash and move at the time, I would have. While I was calling up my copy, I asked said accountant to remind me what the help was for for this field. Uh, what help? Head meet desk. Wow, so it sounds like the person that called you had no idea what they were doing to begin with and ignored every warning and sign and... 
glaringly bright image that was on the screen and just decided that you were going to fix whatever it was. Essentially, you got to be their brain for them sometimes. And for our next story, I'm not hanging up until this is resolved. Too long didn't read. Don't play chicken against someone with nothing to lose and nothing better to do. Obligatory, this was years ago, but thought of it recently. I was working the evening shift on phones with a team of about six people. The cast. Me equals me. Chad equals gym lad. AM equals account manager. I worked in tech support, essentially acting as a second pair of eyes for people calling in. Things like, there's no option to send. Did you try clicking the big green send button? No one told me that. You get the idea. As a tech support technician, I helped with tech. One thing I did not handle was accounts, billing, contracts, etc. Even if I wanted to, it's not something I had any level of access to see, much less perform. Users had to email or call their account managers who worked 9 to 5. Everyone who used our service had annual contracts, paid either yearly or more commonly month to month. We had a pretty idiot-proof method of ensuring accounts didn't go delinquent. Daily emails, voicemails from the AM, and a huge banner across the tool that can't be dismissed, stating exactly how many days they had until their account was suspended due to non-payment. Enter Chad. Chad calls in at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, or just exactly past midnight in London where he was based. Screaming that the site was down, it wasn't. I look up his account and see it's suspended due to six months of non-payment. I inform him of this, and he'll need to back pay, plus late fees, in order to restore service. I inform him he'll need to call in tomorrow during business hours to settle this with his account manager. In a word, explosion. Ten minutes of him screaming, no one told him. Our system is terrible. He deserves three months for his ordeal, the usual. I pulled up his history and can see email read receipts showing he clicked on the delinquency emails, as well as login history, showing he was logged into the system and had seen the banners. I didn't even bother bringing this up. Chad doesn't accept the answer that no one is in the building except me and six others, and demands I reset the system, which I can't do. Then he demands I call the account manager's personal phone number, which I don't have and I don't know them, to wake them up to process it. He hangs up and calls back but I grabbed him out of the queue so no one else had to deal with him. At this point, Chad states they will not get off the call until this is resolved. Admittedly, Chad had me a bit here since we were under no circumstances allowed to hang up calls unless they threatened violence or legal, which he had not done. It was also 8pm at this point, and I needed to make the last train home, so I did the only thing I could think of and transferred him to my cell while hiding the number. I packed up, walked out of the building, and walked across to the train. When he heard the noise, he asked what was happening. So I just replied, I know you've said you're not ending the call, and I know I've told you the solution, which is to call your account manager when the business opens. I need to start heading home, so I figure we can multitask and go over these options as many more times as you need to understand while I head home. Now, which part would you like to go over again? How long until the account is suspended? I think I broke him. I got a solid 30 seconds of silence, followed by screaming that he understood it but didn't accept it. Blah, blah, blah. So I started my hour-long commute home with this guy. The train was super loud, so I had to keep asking him to repeat himself, and sometimes I did it for fun. Conversations went like this. Sorry, train is super loud, can you repeat? 
Are you asking me why I don't know a stranger's cell phone number again? Well, your account manager is not someone I know. I'm not friends with them. You have their email to contact them yourself. Super peppy the whole time, talking to them like I was explaining shapes to a toddler. He finally lost it halfway through, said he was suing me personally, and I got to hang up. I was fully expecting an office trip the next day, but strangely nothing happened. The account moved to expire three months later and all the data was deleted. Last I heard, it had gone to a UK collections agency. Well, way to go, OP. It's, uh, it's good that you could multitask and be flexible enough to transfer that call, hide your cell phone number all while heading home on the train, and keep your composure long enough until they gave you the trigger to uh, be allowed to hang up. Our COO listened to me. Too long didn't read. It took me three years to get over my imposter syndrome. I work at a great company. A little background. I'm in software tech support, but my job duties vary wildly and include a lot of data management and spreadsheets. In fact, Spreadsheet Queen is my unofficial job title. I work for a national real estate franchise, and the COO was one of the people who interviewed and hired me. He's a great guy, but comes off as intimidating. My manager lets me know we're having a meeting on the annual awards process and realizes as I am the person who does the majority of this work that I should be in a meeting. I'm sure everyone in tech support has had a process at work that is tedious, repetitive, and could be simplified if you only could get the person in charge to listen. This is one of the worst I've encountered at my job. Awards are time-consuming and a ton of the data that needs to be entered manually is unnecessary. In the meeting about awards, I expressed this sentiment to our COO and explained how much OT I pulled during the previous award season, how much it cost the company, and actually say, what's the least amount of data you'd be comfortable with here? Well, by the end of the meeting, my spreadsheet had about half as many columns as before. The next day, I realized I didn't even hesitate to point out the issue and generally made the meeting with my manager, two directors, and the COO about this one issue that massively impacts my team. All of this without flinching. Specifically proud of this since I used to be 90% anxiety and 10% water anytime I was meeting with our COO. Even though it's not directly related to this meeting, I will add that I got a promotion later that week to the equivalent of a team lead and actually felt like I deserved it. Edit. Wow, didn't expect this to blow up. Thank you for the silver kind, stranger. Good for you, OP. You know, it's, it's tough. We go into a situation thinking that, you know, we're less than whatever, competent, capable. Uh, sometimes people make us feel that way. A lot of times it's just in our own heads. We feel, we feel less than, uh, that's the only good term I can think of at the moment. When in reality, just a slight bit of confidence that we know what we're doing, uh, can really take us a long way. Now that's not to be confused with arrogance, but you know, a little confidence in yourself and your abilities, that can take you far. Keep at it. And for our next story, tale of magic boxes and users who think they understand magic. Background. I used to work for a small company that only made magic boxes. These magic boxes were essentially adapters that took whatever weird interface your machine needed. RS-232, RS-485, RS-422, GPIB, various Ethernet standards, printer port, CAN bus, SPI, USB, current loop, 3.5mm audio jack. I wish I was kidding about that one and anything else ever spotted on an outdated piece of industrial equipment, and converts it to a proprietary standard that works a surprising amount like Ethernet, with a proprietary connector. Shh, don't tell anyone. 
You would then connect all your machines to a switch we sold you, and your internal network to that. The switch didn't connect the machine network to our company network. Rather, the entire machine network showed up as one device on your network, and the switch would act as a sort of firewall, only accepting command from a registered workstation. Usually this would all just work, except for some very weird setups. When I started, we were a small company selling to local customers, until some company that sold entire factory solutions and retrofitting decided every one of their installations would include some of our magic boxes. The customer calling today was a redirect from said solutions company. SA equals smart aleck. Customer is internal techie. Me equals me, technician and tech support. SE equals software engineer, the genius that put the magic in magic boxes. Me. Thank you for calling. This is Magic Box Company. How can I help you? SA. Your piece of garbage GPIB interface isn't cooperating again. Solutions Company said to call you guys. This was fairly common. GPIB often had loose or oxidized connectors. Me. Have you tried reseating all the cables going to the box? SA. Yes, of course. I'm not an idiot. I know this stuff. Me. Are the power and host lights on or blinking? SA. Of course the power light is on and the host light is blinking, just like it has been for months. Me. Sir, that's not possible. Our boxes only work when the host light is on, indicating it has network. SA. You're wrong. It has been working since we installed it. Only the GPIB often fails. Me. Increasingly confused. Okay, well, can you hook up the tester you should have gotten with the system between the network and the GPIB box? Try to send a command to it and tell me what it says. SA. I already did that. It keeps saying code 44A. Now I'm really confused, but at least we're getting somewhere. Code 44A meant valid packet, incompatible header format. If their switch configuration was non-standard, we could have made a mistake somewhere. Time to look up the firmware we flashed onto that thing. Me. Right. Can you give me the serial number of the GPIB box and the common switch? SA. The serial number of the GPIB box is 12345679, and the switch is ABCDEFG. This concerned me because while the box number was valid and indeed sold to that customer, the switch number was supposed to be in our inventory because someone RMA'd it. After confirming the number again and sending a guy out to the warehouse to confirm we in fact still had it, I got back to SA. Me. SA, I had that switch sitting on my desk. It can't be in your factory. SA. Oh, yeah, um, I, I decided we didn't need the switch and just returned it. Me, screaming internally. Well, sir, that would be your issue. The adapter is not hooked up to a switch. SA. No, it was working fine for months without. I just crimped an RJ45 connector on your cable and connected it to our own switch. Me, screaming externally. You did what? SA. Yeah, I know I'm so smart. You couldn't trick me. I knew it was just an Ethernet and nothing special. Me. It's on a separate network than the rest of the building, right? Right? SA. No, it's just on the internet. It's more convenient because we can control it from every computer. Me. Do you have any idea how bad that is? SA. I'm a network expert. This is fine. I know this better than you. To give some context as to why this is bad... These machines didn't have passwords. They were designed to connect to a single computer with a single cable, not a network. And our boxes just translated literally input to output, so no security either. All the security was in the custom switch isolating this from the internet. 
So in this case, anyone on the entire internet could send commands to their 25-ton machines and 5,000-degree furnaces, control them however they liked. Me. SA, disconnect all of your boxes now. I am contacting our lawyers. We are not talking to you or your company before you get those things off the network. And I slammed the phone down. I told SE this, who promptly implemented a check to make sure new boxes wouldn't do a darn thing unless a specific activation packet was sent by our switch. We were laughing slash crying about this for days. Eventually, we got their installation fixed, but by the time we got there, SA had been let go. Judging by the amount of contractors on site, including a lot from Solutions Company, he screwed up the system in various other ways as well. Too long didn't read. User thinks we're selling him things he doesn't need. Ends up putting 25-ton death machines out on the open internet. <sighs> yeah, that could be dangerous. That'd be like having open access to people's like pacemakers and stuff from a medical facility. 25-ton death machines, things like that. Yeah, just to have that stuff floating around on the internet and waiting for somebody to trip across it and start screwing with your settings. Yeah, that's not safe. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.